Welcome to the Reflective Teacher Podcast, brought to you by the Jewish United Fund of Chicago. I'm Martha Weil, and together with my real-life co-teacher and co-host, Lindsay Elliott, we're bringing you interviews with experts in early childhood education. We hope these stories will inspire you and give you that aha moment that we as teachers find so refreshing and clarifying. Over the course of this episode, we hope you'll reflect and make connections that will help you bring intention and motivation to your classroom each day. Today's topic is all about parent communication. We have a special episode this month featuring a new format in which the second half of the episode will have a couple different educators giving short tips for parent involvement and communication. But the first half of the episode will feature our guest, Diana Ganger, who will talk more broadly about families in school environments and how we can best welcome and connect with them. Diana is a coach and consultant in education and organization management. She is also a co-founder of an intergenerational program called Ideal 18. So without further ado, here's our interview with Diana. So right now, uh, I'm the co-founder and director of Ideal 18, which is all about intergenerational work, is intentional deep experiences across life cycles. A little bit of a mouthful, (laughs) Um, but we started that a year ago. So we're helping um, great places around the country to start intergenerational programs that haven't done that yet or are not intentional enough in terms of how they do it. So we're coaching and consulting with them and helping them um, make relationships with elder centers or partners within their own communities and launching these programs in deep ways. And I'm also a coach and a consultant, so I do coaching and consulting with people around the country also, and that's a lot through Zoom, Skype, or FaceTime. Um, so that's a lot of my work, but the proudest thing in my life is being the grandparent to seven grandkids. <laughs> seven grandkids. So, right. Wow. From eight to two. Mm-hmm. So, Amazing. Yes. And I think it'd be really interesting if you could share some stories about um, forging relationships with parents in the school setting. Right. So when we're talking about families, the first thing that came to mind when you asked me to talk about it was how do we create an environment where the message is so visible? So again, it needs to be systemic, right? A parent needs to feel welcome the minute or a family member, whoever it is, because it's not always a parent in the way we think about families. It can be sometimes a grandparent. It can be other people that work in the family system. Um, how do they even come into the school? So for example, the first phone call. Who receives the first phone call when somebody is inquiring about the school? And what kind of relationships do we begin to forge knowing that that's crucial for a family? Because families are very anxious when they call for the first time for the first child, right? It's the first time they call a school with early childhood if it's if they start as babies in some centers or if they start at two or if they start at three. Doesn't matter when, but when that first phone call or the first meeting happens, parents remember that forever. So how do we embrace them and make them feel at home and belonging from that minute that they call? So for example, saying, do you hear about us? Asking more than telling. Many, many schools talk about admissions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of a pet peeve with that because what does it mean to admit? We're already creating a Mm -hmm. wall with parents. I always called it intake. 
I always share it with parents that we want to take you in, right? Mm -hmm. It's very different. Uh, words do yeah. matter. So uh, how do we share with parents that we want to let you know where we are, how you're going to find us, how you get to the school, have some coffee or tea when they come in, sit down with them, water, whatever it is, sit down with them, have a comfortable couch, have a desk, but sit on the other side of the mm -hmm. desk with them. <laughs> um, make sure that there's no separation, that you're engaging in a nice dialogue and you're inviting them to introduce themselves to you and to share how they came to be at that place at that moment. Uh, and from there you take it on. It's not a prepared anything. It's listening to them, uh, understanding how they chose your place, and then from there trying to answer the questions that they might have. And if they don't, trying to share with them things that you know parents usually wonder about and want to know um, and showing the school the more information they get the more they will know and from the beginning to set up uh, an example of how you will partner with them like what are the expectations in terms of that partnership so we want to be part we want you to be a part of our school life and we want to be part of your family life um, so those are important messages from the beginning. Yeah, it sounds like it's something that you should do through admissions, but also mm -hmm. maybe as a classroom teacher too. Like, can, how can that be kind so of recreated in a classroom environment? One of the teachers, I remember her years ago, did a dad's group. She took a class yeah. about dads in the classroom. And then she, to her surprise, she invited the dads and there were lots that volunteered. And then there would be a dad once a week that would come for the whole classroom. Mm. And they would just spend an hour in the classroom. Yeah. And they bring a different kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing program. So, and she even had one dad coordinate that so that it yeah. didn't take away from her time. And yeah. that dad told the class who was coming and mm -hmm. a little bit about their background. And it went so well. It yeah. was amazing. Mm -hmm. I think there's also a lot of research coming out that uh, that family involvement is very clearly related to um, to outcomes, learning outcomes. Uh, so the more the parents uh, become a part of the child's learning and schooling, the better the outcomes for the child in all areas. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just simply powerful. Yeah. Um, I think. I think what you said too before about when you see your parent in the school, I think it's all about belonging. So when you belong and you feel comfortable in a space, you can do your best. Like exactly. that's how I feel when I go to like any party. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If I know more people there, I'm like, I'm me, I'm Martha. Mm -hmm. But when I'm at a place where I don't know anyone and it's not necessarily the most welcoming, then I'm like this different person. I'm not showing who I really am, I feel like. Right, it takes a while for you to warm up. Absolutely, and we have the same thing with children and parents. So the more the children feel that the parents are fine, the more they can be all of themselves. But also, I think that parents also want to learn. Mm -hmm. And you are professionals. Teachers are professionals. And I think that the more the parents spend time in a classroom, the more they benefit by taking home the modeling that they see. So sometimes they hear words that they've never used or they hear things said in a positive way that they would have said maybe in a different way that would not have had such an impact. Mm -hmm. So having the parents linger in the classroom sometimes is a very, very powerful thing um, all around. I think a lot of teachers struggle with that when it comes to parents 
there's like a little bit of the imposter syndrome and you're you a lot of young teachers probably freak out and think like they're just maybe intimidated too by the into they're intimidated like there's like a little bit of like intimidation with certain relationships too yeah like the parent-teacher relationship like maybe the parents are intimidated by the teachers and likewise, the teachers can be intimidated by the parents. So those are huge, important mm-hmm. conversations. I think that part of uh, becoming a teacher and having professional development is about role-playing. Mm-hmm. Role-playing, what it means to have... <laughs> you did it. You did My it. Favorite. Having, having uh, parents in the classroom, what are the kinds of things that might arise, right? So people can talk about what's uncomfortable. I think it's okay. We're not always comfortable in all relationships, especially when we feel that our experience is not that vast. Um, And at the same time, if we want families to be a part and we know why, right? The whys are huge. So we can learn how to have parents in the classroom and feel that we can be authentic. And we can also work with parents to know that teachers are not perfect people because nobody is. Mm -hmm. So that there might be things that they're going to wonder and and think about and the best thing to do is talk about it. And we might say, oh, that was one of those, uh, you know, moments that we don't want to have in in our lives. But it's okay, we all have them as parents. Why wouldn't we have them in a classroom? I think another piece of that too something that you talk about sometimes culturally conflict is not the easiest thing to talk about even with someone that you're super close with um so I think that comes into play too like even if my co-teacher if Lindsay like I don't always if I have an issue it's it's hard for me to like bring that up and so and I know her I'm with her more than I'm with most other people so so you're raising something hugely important what if your contract was so powerful your breach your contract Mm -hmm. right your agreements were so powerful that you say you know what we're human we're sharing a classroom we're co-parenting we know that parents have disagreements right we don't always agree on everything as we parent so you're going to have them also as teachers so the important thing is how do you agree to talk about things and for both of you to talk about how were you raised how were agreements and disagreements disagreements dealt with in your home um, and so that you know where each one comes from and then you decide on how you're going to work it out when they come. It's not if they come. Yes. At our school, we do a back-to-school night yes. where all the families um, of a certain class come to the classroom and the teachers kind of go over the structure of the class. And I was thinking it could be cool to use what you're saying to kind of use that night as like a jumping-off point for talking about breach or making like a covenant or a important contract about like what your protocol is for when something and including them on it like what they what their preferences are and how it feels to them and how it feels to them how would you go about doing that if you had to do it then um i would love to have a conversation with parents at that moment about you know, we all know that parenting is um, fraught with excitement and at times with things that we need to work on. And the same thing happens at school. And so there are times that uh, we're going to just notice things with your child and what we want to agree with 
you right now we want to create an agreement that the moment that we notice anything that we wonder about we're going to be calling you in so that we can wonder together so it's very important from the beginning not to wait till there is a big issue with a child so from the beginning to say you know what we've been noticing this and that have you noticed that at home um, and what kind of language can we all use to see how it moves and then you schedule and then you say and we'll probably share some of that and then we'll all do our homework of paying attention and then we'll meet again and that's how things will go and if there is a need for additional services then eventually we'll make the recommendations so because we know that early intervention is the best gift we can give a family and a child you're setting the stage for it it's yeah very I, love, I love the uh, create an agreement and wonder together yeah like that language i feel like is really helpful um i was just thinking that a lot of times i think one the calls are made too late like it, it when a problem arises teachers may think that they have kept up with communication but it still feels uncomfortable because they probably haven't as much or maybe it just feels right. uncomfortable that creates a lot of issues so the minute the minute the minute that you look at a child and you look at one another and you say did you notice that that's the minute you call yeah so don't wait don't Got wait it. the minute the minute you're doing a double take because it shouldn't be the moment that you're frustrated no <laughs> and i don't no. think people understand that i no. think it has to be the minute you do a double take yeah Right, the minute you begin to wonder about something, or is it speech, or is it uh, a learning, or is it eye contact, or is it whatever it is that you start wondering about, you start meeting with the parents just to double check and get to know the child better. It's like we have the power to wonder and call them. They also need to be given mm -hmm. the power to wonder and call us, mm -hmm. right. right? So if they perceive or the child is saying something at home, and you can say there are times when a child will perceive things that we don't see them at school and might talk about something at home, and if you feel that there is something that we need to know, please, by all means, you be the ones that initiate and let us know because it's it's back and forth it's reciprocal it's right. not just one way i think that's so important to emphasize because i don't think parents realize that and it can come off like is this family hiding something but just like we're uncomfortable maybe saying we see this they might be uncomfortable saying we see this exactly. or we or hear might this. not even notice right. or we hear it's different right. home. yeah crucial um, this is a tangent kind of to like conversations with parents, but I think I'm pretty sure this is you one time that said like I feel like teachers always think they need to know the answers and they need to like know if a parent comes to them with a question they need to know right away like how to answer it. And I think you were the one that had said at one point like there's a dignity in silence like it's okay to like you know pause to think about it. It's okay to like say I'm you know I'll get back to you in a, a day. That's a really good question. So I think that that was something that like really struck me and was super powerful that you had said. Right, and sometimes you want oh. to tell the parents, you know what, I love it. I love the right. question and I really want yeah, to give it the yeah. thought it needs. Mm -hmm. And it's respectful, right? And also it allows us to go deeper. Mm -hmm. I think this stuff is so important for teachers to understand because you don't, it's, it's like messy work, you know? It's not, there's no clear cut way to do it and it's very important work and I feel like lots of teachers get into it thinking it's going to be one way and that's why I feel like a lot of people aren't ready on the teaching end for to forge like these real organic relationships because 
they had no idea that that was coming. That, that's why <laughs> those conversations are so yeah. important during orientation. Yeah. It is so important to have them and to think about them before yeah. the year starts. Or, for example, the journey binders, right? Mm-hmm. To have journey binders, the journals uh, in the classroom help a lot to share with parents. Mm-hmm. Um, things that they might visibly see and notice in a in a journey binder where we can make some things visible Mm -hmm. Uh, it makes it easier afterwards to deal with that I'm just seeing on my notes that I realize I want to talk about trust and how and I know we talked a lot about like relationship building but are there any ways that you can think of that are really helpful with building trust between a parent and a teacher so I would say let's all think about how do we build trust with anyone. It's sharing sharing and learning and asking and having experiences together. Yeah. One of the great ones, I think, to build relationships is home visits. Yes, we have that on here. Home visits, like have at it. Why are they amazing? <laughs> are they a must for all easy? Uh, I believe that they add so much that it will be ideal to have them. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sometimes hard for programs to get give the time to the teachers right. and find the time and organize it with the parents. And also it takes some learning of what it means to go to somebody's house, mm-hmm. what it means to write the letter about home visits, how do we prepare the parents, what does it mean so that they don't become self-conscious about their home. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that go with that. But So for children also unconsciously, they realize that the teacher knows where they live. Mm-hmm. So they feel safe because oh, they, yeah. because so they know they'll never be abandoned at school and nobody yeah. will know where they belong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that there's this unconscious yeah. safety issue behind it. Right. Um, and there is also an opportunity to get to see the child, to see their environment, mm. to see where they come from, to learn more about the family, yeah. to ask questions, and to have the family ask you questions. Mm. To take photos in one school, they did it with the four-year-olds, where the teacher created a whole book of the home visits. Mm. And she took photos of the house, and then she put their address, mm. And then she also put photos, that's things that something that the child may want to show them, mm-hmm. and then also a photo of their bedroom. Mm-hmm. So each child had two pages, and that was the most beloved Big, book I'm sure, in I'm sure. that classroom. Yes, it was amazing. So again, yeah. the family photo, so right. huge, huge, huge connector. Yeah, yeah. they love showing up. And a there. great time to, to start the partnership with the yeah. parents. And to talk about these things. And I think, too, if you can't do a home visit, you want as much as you can to get the parents in during the day. Um, I think regardless, either way. And do you have any um, just examples of ways teachers have done that in the past? The parents or the grandparents. For example, yeah. I knew I could go and read a story at my grandchild's school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, of course, I jumped at that. You know, I jumped at the bit. Um, it's a great opportunity to see where your grandchild is, who their friends are, just you know, to hear their names and for your grandchild to tell you these are my friends or this is my classroom, this is what I like. Um, so it's wonderful. So it's not only the parents. Mm-hmm. So remember that you could have parents that are working hard and you might have grandparents that have a little bit more time or more mm-hmm. flexibility. So whoever in the family is available is great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, coming coming in for a coffee or coming yeah. in for 
uh, one of the things that we didn't do that I wanted to do was to create a, a lingering area for the parents mm -hmm. at the entrance of the school mm -hmm. with coffee and for the parents to be able to chat with one another so then it's easy for them to come and read to the classroom and then leave or come a few minutes before they pick them up mm -hmm. and read a story, um, cook with the classroom, come and do a recipe or maybe a family recipe or for the holidays, somebody might have something um, and find out what their skills are. And I think it's an important time to think too about realizing that parent, uh, teachers aren't perfect because I think when parents come into the room that's like a source of anxiety for a lot of teachers and I think it's a good time to like really think with the parents about how it's a living breathing classroom and it's not going to be and I'm sure that they do understand this but I also think for the teacher's sake mm -hmm. to put them at ease that like parents understand right those are part of the agreements and you might yeah. come and it could be that what is the most important that whatever it is that you're wondering about that you share it with us because that will give us an opportunity to talk about it mm. so that it doesn't you know fester or <laughs> right. become an issue we don't ever want anything to fester we always mm. want to talk about things way before they become an issue our work is about mm. families yeah now we think that we go into it because we love children and yet children are it. embedded again in, right. in a family and it's a whole system and they're affected by it. And the more we partner, the more we really um, create a great environment for children to be in. Mm -hmm. And that is really what we want to maximize the lives of children. So in order to do that, we have to create many, many opportunities and we have to understand what it means to contain not only children, but families. And how do we create that sense of belonging, that sense of community, um, that sense of responsiveness uh, for them? And how do we become very intentional about every aspect from the environment to the words, to the tone, to even how we talk to one another as teachers, right? What kind of language do we use when we talk about parents? Right. And that is hugely important that it doesn't become a culture where parents are disparaged. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's a professionalism thing, too, at a certain point. I think a lot of times... Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. And yet, how do we become more aware and how do we help one another, right? Okay, that was a moment, but let's move on. Let's mm -hmm. try to go back to the empathic point. There are right. so many things that we don't know about parents. We right. don't know, you know, in a morning, right. as a parent, so many things could have happened by the time they got to school. Totally. Mm -hmm. There's a life before school. Mm -hmm. So uh, by the time the children come to school, yes, a lot of things happen. And if a family didn't have time to give the child a bath or didn't have time mm -hmm. to, right? Do this Those or are that. Things, yeah. Right. And, and mm -hmm. to take it as, wow, they must be going through stress. Maybe it's a learning opportunity for us to see how we can help. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's yeah, like how can we help? a great mind shift, yes. I think, for a lot of people. How can we help? How can we... Because it, I think it's so important because it helps you, the teacher, not be pissed off, to be honest. Exactly. The right thing is to look Good. at it and say, how can we help? How can we <laughs> help? And like, or But how can we shift our perspective, perspective yeah. on it so that we're not disrupted by it? Exactly. Exactly. And understanding that makes a big difference and their parents feel it. They know it. 
just like the children do. Well, that's <laughs> that's a good way to gain trust too, is mm-hmm. to step in in those moments. Exactly. It's like day to day. Because the parent's gonna feel like, oh, I'm messing up. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> no, that's you're big. Not. I'll help. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Diana. What a pleasure to have you both here. (laughs) Yay! That's the real party. (laughs) Now we're moving on to that second half of the show where you'll hear from five amazing educators who all have some awesome tips and tricks for getting parents into your classrooms in positive and meaningful ways. Awesome. Okay, so tell us your name. All right. It's Eleanor Rifkin. Um, So I teach at uh, Rabbi Stephen Foster. Riverstein Foster, you'll see a Temple Emmanuel, and I am the outdoor studio coordinator. Um, when I started there, I was the pre-K teacher. Um, we have about 13 or 14 classes in the school, about 250 children. It's a pretty big school. Yeah. Um, and about four years ago, um, my co-teacher and I uh, started dreaming big. And our director was definitely on board with us, uh, with us on starting an outdoor studio program, um, which we are basically started. We started two summers. We did in the summer, in addition to the kids' outdoor and their playgrounds, they had an outdoor studio time where we had an outdoor classroom that everything that goes in goes out. Um, we have a big garden. Uh, we develop, we dream big and have a greenhouse as well. Um, a small, it's still an experiment. <laughs> We're still struggling of learning what grows in Denver climate without heat <laughs> in the winter. Um, but definitely our garden is a beautiful, successful um, gem of our school. And uh, all of the children age of 12 months to five come and take part in this garden. Um, we are doing the whole cycle with the children. The children um, plant, take care of, harvest, put take down, uh, play around in the winter. So they see the whole cycle of life in front of them. Amazing. And they're our superheroes and our best gardeners. Um, and at this point, um, we wanted to really um, make sure that the parents also are taking part in this garden. So we started with a little bit of parenting moment, like come and help us in the garden. Uh, But the best part of it is our farmer's market that we put up. So every year we put a farmer's market that the children are facilitating. Um, What we have is the week prior, they go, they harvest, we collect containers, they wash them, they decorate them with Sharpies, they count tomatoes, they do different kinds. We use literacy, numeracy, um, we integrate signs, and then they do all the art of sales, which is life learning skills right there. (laughs) Uh, Parents are invited to come and shop in our farmer's market, all donation-based that goes back to the outdoor program. Um, And we have had like, the parents are just amazed by that. They come and they shop with the children. The children facilitate that, pack that, weigh, use scales. It's a lot of learning, um, hands-on learning. Amazing. I'm sure the kids remember it too. Oh my gosh, yes. It's the highlight. It's Denver, like they go to farmer's markets. Right. And so it's so special to be on the other side. (laughs) It's Denver. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's be honest, they go to farmer's markets. (laughs) 
So that's amazing. Do you, do you find that like parents want to be like really involved or like more yes. so involved? Yes. Yeah. This some like this year when we had a farmers market, yeah. I had parents come. Like we usually say, it's like from twelve fifteen, mm-hmm. so twelve thirty is pickup time. So we do twelve fifteen to twelve forty five, and I had parents waiting in the hallway before we even set up, and she's like. Are we having a farmer's market today? I'm like, yes, you are really early. I'm going to get the tables. Yeah. She's like, usually these things start in the morning. Yes. She's ready to shop. Yes. It's amazing to see how excited they are and how the kids are so empowered and the learning that goes around organic food that you grow and what yeah. can you do with it. So it's all about the experiment of children also with food, not necessarily even the eating, but to get them connected to the food itself so tomatoes you can have it in different ways if you don't like tomatoes straight up tomato you might like it as a sauce you might like it chopped as salsa for children that's amazing because it's like um very disconnected a lot of times especially in like a big city like chicago where we Mm -hmm. are like you just kind of get your food right and they don't know where they get it my food comes from my mom or the store Mm -hmm. or you know and that's about as far as it goes a lot of the time so that's amazing because now i bet your kids can say the food comes from a seed that yes. we plant in the ground. Yes. We did also seedling with them yeah. last year. So each classroom got to start seedling indoor yeah. uh, during February. And then they kind of, they planted, they took care of it inside. And then we moved it outside. We did a seedling sale. They're very connected to the idea of how fruits and vegetables are growing. And that's something yeah. too that's so accessible for families, mm-hmm. not even in a way that like we all deal with growing like a lot of people deal with gardening they 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 think about their food more and more mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. so i think that's this something that everyone can connect on and the involvement of parents like of just even seeing how their kids are so energized by planting garden that they go home and plant their own garden and they come and ask us questions like what do you think about this should i plant this next to that one and their kids are invested in those conversations and actually teaching their parents and they that's all you them. want the school home connection right they're right. taking it home. Yes. Yep. That's we did also pop-ups. That was like direct thing from Paradigm. What's a pop-up? Um, so they introduced us to, when I went the first time, they had like a pop-up session, mm-hmm. which was a station that was running throughout the evening of uh, art or a different yeah. idea that they had like a pop-up yeah. tables that like they a had. Like table or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we started doing oh that as well, just because oh. it's fun to say pop-up as well. Pop-up. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a salsa pop-up. So parents, after pickup, they come with their kids, and we had um, all the ingredients, and they had to cut make their salsa, crush I it, and that. eat it with so chips. Fun. We had, so that was um, at like, pick, like pick dismissal, though. Like, okay, pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at dismissal school, time. Nice so it's just way. like a pop-up salsa. Yes. So it could be in the morning, like an exploration table. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, pop up something. Yes. We had like it. a and kale pesto. It's like a buzzword. Like, yeah. everyone loves it a pop-up is. shop. <laughs> like, parents Something quick. It's not, we're not asking for a big commitment for you. Just Would you like to come and stop and make with your kid this beautiful salsa from our tomatoes on the garden and then like really like bring that concept in front of them that we show pictures of the kids uh, working in the garden at the table having recipes maybe the kids are writing those recipes Um, all of those ideas are coming and they're seeing right on the table where they're making the salsa with their children I love that. Thank you so yes, much. This was you. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so excited to put this on there. Perfect. Absolutely. Thank you Yay. for having me. Okay, go ahead and state your name. Hi, my name is Elise Eisenberg, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. I work at the Jewish Federation of Greater Dallas as the Early Childhood Specialist and PJ Library Manager. 
and families are my thing. I love working with families. So um, I've been an early childhood educator for a very, very long time. Uh, started in the late 80s, so um, <laughs> it's been a very long time. And really working with the parents is something that I missed when I went outside the classroom because um, I always felt like parents were an integral part of the classroom, a uh, necessary piece of the puzzle. And um, the more I felt like the parents got to know what we were actually doing in the classroom, the more trust that we were able to build. Um, and the relationship just really was a solid relationship when the parents were able to come into the classroom and see the materials we were using and also to bring their own skills and their passions into the classroom. So um, every day parents were invited to come in the classroom, but around the holidays if they had special traditions that they um, were especially excited about bringing to the classroom, they were always welcome to come in and share with the class. That's amazing. And I think, too, what you said about passions, it really they get really excited to come and share like a passion. I feel like sometimes when you ask parents to come and sign up for something, but they're not really that passionate about it, they'll do it, but it's I think a there's a lack of twist. confidence yeah, that they feel about coming into like the not their space right. to be an expert. Yeah. But so if you like help them identify, that's great. That's something, yeah. And when um, parent participation in a classroom is just regular, just something that they're always welcome to like yeah. come in and like be as part of the class, then they feel really comfortable sharing, you know, something about themselves, mm -hmm. and yes. it kind of builds on each other. You know, the, that relationship yeah. just builds and builds. So, were you when you were in the classroom? Did you do you did a lot of like parent involvement, like yes. open kind of classrooms? Did they have to sign up? How did that work? Not that much signing up. It was kind of an organic thing. Um, parents could stay for a little bit and to kind of get to know what was going on in the classroom. And we also had special holiday celebrations where parents were involved, Shabbat, special Shabbats, um, all different ways that parents could be part of the classroom. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, awesome stuff. Okay. Thank you Good. so much. You. Perfect. Okay, go ahead with your name. Hi, my name is Melissa Leibowitz. I'm a preschool director at Beth to Phyllis School in Baltimore. Um, I, my background, I've been there 10 years. My background is early childhood special ed, actually before that, speech pathology and audiology, and then early childhood special ed as my master's. Um, I've been working in a school for a while trying to make innovation happen and like everybody else here. And so one of the tips that I thought of is I've learned over the years when, when fielding communication from really anxious parents and sort of winds up taking up so much of the teacher's time and so much of our time and, and it doesn't seem fruitful to yeah. just be feeding that anxiety. Yeah. And so to, to put a boundary around it, um, we have decided to set up certain parents have a scheduled meeting either once a week for a while and then we move it to every two weeks or some parents we can even start with once a month. Um, and we set those up so that they're on the calendar and so they know and I tell them to write down their notes and their questions and of course if anything major comes up in the middle it's different but you know just worrying about their progress all the time um, it's a way to help them feel more comfortable and know that it's coming yeah it really relieves that. a lot of that stress for them and it like, also, oh, I have a meeting point exactly and it validates like everything that they're feeling mm -hmm. while also like you said like setting allowing a boundary for right. the teacher because we do need that like it's hard every time drop-off happens to answer this question and that question and feel their anxiety, mm -hmm. but then to be able to say like, I'm gonna make this time for you because I hear you and I see you, but there's just a yeah. appropriate place and time to do it. That's so yeah. smart. And thank you, and there's so many different layers to it. You know, besides mm -hmm. supporting the teachers, 
Um, it also, you know, in sort of helping parents become parents with these little, little yeah. kids to understand that you need to sort of keep sometimes things in check a little bit and control the emotions because even though you constantly have them, you have to sometimes keep them in check for the good of your child and the right. good of the they classroom. Right. Right. For, for the good of everybody. Right. So, like you um, can plan and you can put things off and not have to like worry, worry, worry and kind of right go with the flow a little bit more. And the interesting thing about it is we've sort of found that halfway through the year they decrease. The, yeah. the meetings. Like they really the don't need, need them it. as much anymore because they know that it's there, but they don't really need to have it, you know. That's great. amazing. That's a great That'll be teacher, teacher tip. Teacher tips for sure. Okay. <laughs> amazing. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Okay, go. My name is Laurieann Penchansky. I am the Director of Early Childhood Education at Temple Shalom Preschool in Brumall, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Philadelphia. So I work in a really small school right now. We have about 45 kids, which wow. to us is pretty small. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what ages? Infants through pre-K. Okay. So we so have five classes, class. about 10 kids in a class. Um, and then we got very lucky because we have a lot of up-and-coming parents who really want to be invested in the, their kids, which I'm finding is a change than what I found in the last 10 years. Like in the past, I had a lot of trouble getting parents to be invested, they were all too busy. And I'm finding this change where even the parents who are working full-time outside the home um, or part-time and full-time stay-at-home mom or whatever it is, they're finding this time to be with their kids. I also think things like social media are helping because the teachers are constantly posting pictures of what's going on um, and parents feel very invested and so they know what's happening. That's amazing. How are you using social media um, in a way that's like safe, responsible? And, and yeah, responsible. We have a closed parent Facebook page. Okay. Um, so that's the way we communicate mostly. Um, I control it. I delete people off and let people in, um, and it's just really parents and grandparents. That's yeah. pretty much who's allowed on, and teachers. And so the teachers are constantly posting pictures, and we have children who are not allowed on, and we don't put them on. Mm -hmm. um, Got it. Parents have permission and and right. Um, and it, it's really because everyone's on Facebook. Yeah. And now, like, that's just, yeah. we have a lot of parents who don't do other things like Instagram or right. anything like that, but everyone's on Facebook. So it's a really nice way to create a cohesive community. That, yeah, a community outside of the physical community. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's a little bit um, easier access than, like, a lot of their, there's apps that you can use, yeah. but obviously everyone knows Facebook. A lot of those apps cost a lot of money, and we're a really right. small school, yeah. and we don't have the money for anything like that. So a couple of parents have suggested, like, Tadpoles and some right. of those other apps. We just don't have the money to invest in those right now, and we don't have the technology for the classrooms right now. But every teacher has a phone and can upload right. pictures and put them on the Facebook page, and they all get approved. and. Yeah. Parents love it, and it's great because the infant parents can see what the pre-K does, and the pre-K can see what the, and the parents are constantly commenting on the pictures, and a group of parents you might never expect. <laughs> Wait, so I love really, that grandparents are part of it, too. It's grandparents. <laughs> it's parents and grandparents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an it's awesome way to it add intergenerational yeah. right. um, mm -hmm. layers right. to it, because then you get, like, this involvement for people that might not even you be able to be in the country, in the and state. The, right, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. true. Awesome. That was yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was amazing. Just say my name. Just yeah. go. <laughs> Karen Faust, Ganami, Early Childhood in Mequon. Um, I feel like communicating with parents, m my style is I'm open and honest and really direct, and I feel like they appreciate that. 
and I try not to, I'm nice, but I try not to sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I share a story? Please. Okay. So this was years ago and they don't even live in the state anymore. Okay. (laughs) So, so I, like she used to be, um, she used to be assistant DA and moved to our school and her child went to my school. And this was like right when I transitioned into leadership. And she had a meeting with my supervisor set up, and that I don't know her name. (laughs) Um, But my supervisor had to cancel, right? So I was put in and I had the meeting with her. Yeah. Okay. And I was always warned. The child was also in my classroom. So this is when I was half in the classroom and half out of the classroom. Okay. So I went into the meeting to have with this parent and she looked at me and she said Karen everybody is intimidated by having meetings with me by talking to me even my child's previous teachers you know it was always like they would get flustered talking to me she's like it doesn't it doesn't feel that way with you like why is that and I'm like well I feel like we're coming from the same place like I love your child you love your child we both want what's best for your child so it's kind of like the level playing field what can we do to make the situation what we both want like the best for her right so and i hear you saying that like it's really about coming off in a way that shows um respect for their child as well and your that you like their child too right and and I think it's hard for teachers to do that sometimes because I think they're not actively doing it all the time when they're not having the conversation with the parent in that moment. So I, th- I feel like a takeaway here is like doing the work before you're in the meeting of like making sure you're yeah. thinking of the positives. Mm-hmm. And just the relationship building before. Re- with each child. Right, absolutely. So, and then you can share that with the parent. Yes, amazing. Hi, I'm Margie Pines, and I operate Tom Teva, A Taste of Nature, which is a program giving children and families um, nature experiences through a Jewish lens. Okay, so um, when I was at Paradigm last year, uh, there was a speaker from PJ Library, and one of the things she said is, if you're looking to do successful family engagement, look to see what families are really interested in. Don't come up with necessarily your own ideas, um, have conversations with the families, have conversations with the grandparents, with the children to see what is it they want to do. And like, for instance, I noticed everybody in my classroom went apple picking. Well, should we do some sort of family engagement involving apple picking? You know, just using those ideas, like trying to find out what do our families like to do so what can we do and add a Jewish lens to it? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. To them, bring it back to school. That's right. amazing. That's a good idea. That's like perfect. for instance, one of my families just through conversations outside of anything happening at school, mm-hmm. um, there were two fathers who were really into clay and they were taking classes, pottery classes. So I said, well, I'm not that comfortable with clay. Yeah, come on. Will you come in? And they did some fantastic um, adventures and explorations with the children. They weren't really, um, they were just so comfortable with the clay and what you could do with it and ways to explore 
that it added so much to my classroom, things that I wouldn't have thought to do. Yeah, That's amazing. Um, for Sukkot, we did, um, Tom Teva joined and teamed up with the JCC and did something at Apache, which I think a lot of programs did a Sukkot mm-hmm. event, where we used natural materials. Um, we took cabbages, um, you know, the decorative cabbages yeah. and yeah, really poked pretty. dried flowers into them mm. and let kids use hole punchers to make holes and put flowers in oh, and nice. then they hung them from the school sukkah or they took them home for their own right. sukkah not everybody has one so yeah. um and they had pizza of course you have to have food yeah. right yes. every family <laughs> event <laughs> um and you have to make it family friendly food too yeah but yeah, so that's, and we're gonna do something in December. I'll let you know how it comes out. We're gonna do Hala on a Stick at Heller Nature Center. Oh, over the fire? Uh, yeah, we have a fire pit that we've rented, yeah. So we're gonna make the Hala inside and then go out and cook it. And that brings up another point too, I think, um, like what an activity for families that shows intention and like respect for like, competency of children and stuff like right, that right. so that you're like wow this is this is something very cool we're gonna have a fire something that lots of families like to do together right. and we're gonna make challah on it that's like part of our Jewish identity and the children are really gonna be able to have a part in this and parents are gonna be able to see like just how much we believe in them and and right. hopefully take some of that away for themselves and all that stuff so that's great too right yeah let the parents experience or watch their children experience taking a few risks mm-hmm. with, I guess, teachers there as well. Yes. And maybe talking with the parents about, so before we have children sit at a fire, this is what we tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Or we ask the children, mm-hmm. what do you think is important if we're going to sit by a fire? Like, amazing. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So that's our show. If you would like to learn more about our guest or the topic that we discussed in today's episode, you can head over to www.thereflectiveteacherpodcast.com. That's our website, and on it we post show notes for each episode and resources so you can learn more about each topic we discuss. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our mailing list so you can stay up to date on all things Reflective Teacher Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Reflective Teacher Podcast or find us on Facebook under the same name. Thanks for listening.